Welcome back to EMP Sports. Wow, it is a beautiful day out here down in Louisiana. A little windy, but a beautiful day. And I got Phil here with me today. We're going to be doing a lot of draft talk because uh, huge, huge stuff happened this weekend. Some surprises, some some non-Broncos topics we'll definitely be diving into today, mostly surrounding the quarterback position. But I want to start off by talking about what was different about this draft. I'm not talking about, you know, the lack of trades and whatnot, because it was really not as trade-heavy of a draft. Uh, Very, especially compared to other drafts we've been having recently, very light on transactions. But I want to talk about how it was held virtually and how different that was from as a viewer of the draft. Because you have um, almost every prospect, uh, because they still were going into the homes all the way through the second day and into the third day a bit too. Um, Going into the homes, basically on Zoom in every, every one of these households. And, you know, being able to see the families and whatnot. And instead of, you know, the first day into the second day, having the prospects there and walking out and getting their jerseys and everything. Yeah, man, it was a pretty good day, man. I, I, I like, uh, you know, obviously we're stuck like this because of the quarantine, man. The quarantine yeah. got stuck here, so they got to do the Zoom. And I think that kind of contributed to probably some of the lack of uh, trades too, honestly. Um, but yeah, so we're all stuck at home. Got our Zooms going on here. Uh, we're getting that peek into the personal touch. Everybody, you get to see the, the family, who, who really matters, especially now that we're on quarantine and you can't have like 50 people at the house. It can only be like, we're supposed to be like a max of 10. But it looked like everybody might have had a, a good six in there and then plus the camera crew, whoever was in there. Um, but you, you got a little couple, some funny moments. You got some, some heartwarming moments, of course. A um, couple guys cried. Um, you got to see like big group hugs from families and stuff like that. And of course, you know, high fives and, 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 and you just see the, the pure joy um, from all the kids that were drafted. Even, the, even like um, second day, uh, Trayvon Diggs, what is his name? Stephon Diggs' brother? Yeah, Trayvon. Yeah, like guys who like, you know, my big brother's already in the league and it still just means so much to the family to have the little brother get into the league too. Mm-hmm. Um, so like those moments, but then you also get the messy, funny moments, right? Like uh, when CeeDee Lamb gets drafted to the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys who are already just all about the drama, right? Uh, just they're, they're leading the NFL in storylines every year. They get CeeDee Lamb and, um, you know, right as he's drafted, his uh, he, man, man's got two phones. Man's got two phones. And when you're a man of two phones, you got some type of status or some type of importance. So he's on one phone. Other phone's in his lap. His girlfriend's sitting on his left. His mother's sitting on his right. His girlfriend reaches right into his lap, grabs that phone. And just with cat reflexes, he snatches it right back. <laughs> <laughs> Took it right back, man. Took no. that phone right back. Uh, of course, that was the bat phone. Uh, apparently, she says it was the agent calling on FaceTime. I don't know, man. The, the look that he gave her, that sharp eye. And did you see the way the, the way Mama looked? Right. I, I, I can't right. tell for certain whether she was looking at her or at CD, 
but she was definitely giving that side eye. Y'all better tighten up. We on TV. She, she was, <laughs> yeah, she wanted to yell through teeth. That, that, hey, I'm going to sit still. We in church. You know? String your ass <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but straighten up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you, then you find out, you know, the story even opens up even more. Basketball player, NBA star, Trey Young, who was drafted now two years ago, you find out it's the same girl. Mm-hmm. That Trey Young's I, old they girlfriend both went to Oklahoma. is now with CeeDee Lamb. They, yes, they, they are both uh, Oklahoma prospects, and that's what that goes, that's what that turns out to be there. But it's like, <gasps> So of course, things people start to assume stuff about her. We don't need to go into all that. I assumed that she was a superstar. Yeah, she, she got them both. I assumed that she was a star there. I mean, let's be honest. It's it's Oklahoma. I mean, it's the University of Oklahoma. What not? I mean, you're probably there's probably not a, outside of the school probably not a ton of prospects. Right. Uh, of the school though. Whew. Yeah, I mean that's it's you know you know how universities get down. They just be prospects, prospects, prospects. Uh, what was the other story, man? Then there was another well, story. Talking yeah. about another wide receiver, real quick. Uh, Henry Ruggs, when he got his call and everything, he's you talking about some people chose to dress up and everything. Henry Ruggs is chilling in a robe, like he's just chilling in a robe to get drafted. Yeah, that's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> That's my guy right there. No, of course he got paid for it, and uh, and he went to the the Raiders, whatever. But uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved. It. I couldn't see. I forgot which. There was a logo on it. I forgot who it was, but it was definitely a logo. So he, you know, he, he got paid for it. But yeah, that's that's the kind of draft that I would like to do. I want to be in my robe. That's what. That's how I am at the house. I'm in robe. I, you know, if you're gonna let America in, I want them to see my true self, in robe. Four minutes to go here. <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about with all this, though, is you get a look into a lot of these, you know, really high-profile prospects and their homes and everything. And, you know, some of them, they they come with these sad stories and whatnot of, like, you know, growing up super poor and everything. And then you see inside of their home, and the home, it's like, okay, you are getting some kicks, some kicks. <laughs> back from university or something and if this if your story of how you know grew up and everything is true because that is not the home of somebody like a super poor person oh no oh no of course. oh no 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 uh no yeah that's i think we can assume that the agent is fronting some money up front you know for the family for at least probably the first six months of his career you know he, he expects to get that payback um but yeah you, you can have them all in in the homes that they that they truly came from like Tua's home, that place looked nice. Yeah. You see, Tua, I, th- I think Tua's going to be all right, man. If you noticed how Tua's family was, did you see how they were sitting? Like, you see how everybody else was sitting, everybody else's family was sitting, and then how Tua's family was sitting? They looked real, like, militaristic, right? It was Tua's, on the, Tua's up front, his mother and his father on the right and on the left, sitting, like, perfectly in these couches. And then his brothers and his two sisters, or his sister and two brothers, was, like, behind them like perfectly in order as if they were getting ready to go out to battle. Like it was, and then they all had like one lay around their neck. Like it was just, it was like a perfect arrangement. And then like everybody else in the draft, yo, we hanging out on the couches. We kicking it. We cooling it. Some, someone's in the back getting punch. (laughs) Tua's fan. Like, I'm like, Hey, this Tua cat's going to be, I think like, like that's what coaches want to see. I think, I think that's kind of what people want to see is, Oh, look, he has his stuff in order and, 
Mm-hmm. It's a real, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, militaristic type of order to them. Uh, I, I just thought that was, I just noticed that. I just thought that was kind of an interesting point. Yeah. Uh, and then the one other thing to talk about as far as kind of funny stories is I forget which prospect it was, but his, uh, he was getting the call, he was getting drafted and everything. And uh, his, his girl would like jumped right in his lap and was like all about the camera being on her in that moment. It's like, she was trying to soak it all up and mama comes in and is like, no, this is my, this is my boy's moment. She jumps in his lap, starts petting his, starts petting his head. Well, oh my goodness. And it's, uh, the funny, see, the funny part to me was that his mom came over and, you know, she's, she's not seeing that it's his mom because she's facing in towards the camera and she's kind of got her head down a little bit. And his mom comes over behind her and, you know, taps her and kind of trying to yanks her up a little bit. And she doesn't mm-hmm. move. Like the first time she like, you could see like, she's kind of like, no, nah, I'm, I'm here. And then it's like the mom had to tap her. Get like, no, I'm I'm his mother. Get your up, get up. <laughs> she got get up. up, move it. Yo, yo, yeah. So just a little, I, I don't I don't know if there's ever gonna be a draft like that again, but I'm all for it if we do. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. Very different. Um, you also got to see into a lot of these coaches' homes Love and whatnot, it. and. Some of those places, it's just ridiculous. Jerry Jones on, like, his $220 million yacht. Like, yeah, wow. Flexing. Yeah, he, he was flexing. He was flexing. You know, you're supposed to be at the house, and he's like, yo, I'm going to be at my, like, my fifth house on his yacht. It's like a 250-foot yacht. That is ridiculously big. Like, you and I could live on that thing and not see each other for weeks. Did you notice how he and his wife or his assistant were sitting, like, perfectly six feet away from each other? Perfect. <laughs> he was like hanging off the camera. Got, gotta set the example. Well, we gotta take a break. Um, you're listening to the EMP Sports Show. We are going to be diving into the draft, and we're gonna start off talking about the first round. Really, the first round as a whole. We'll get more in depth on the Broncos here in a minute. But when you talk about the first round, really, I felt like coming in, the first three picks were already done. I mean. It always kind of confuses me at, with, like, the first couple picks, how those aren't turned in, like, right away. Because you almost always know the first overall pick a week, two weeks at least in advance, you know. And then that second pick, even if you don't know specific, like us as the general public don't know specifically what the second pick's going to be, they as an organization probably know who they're picking at least a week before the draft knowing that first pick yet you still you know I think the Bengals almost took up the entire clock before they turned in their Joe Burrow I think it's like a 10 minute clock and they went down to like two minutes left and I'm like come on everybody people who don't even know football people who don't follow the NFL know you're picking Joe Burrow number one overall why why are you fronting and taking all this time but that's that's a different topic um so the first three picks basically went down as most people, we in particular, had had done uh, Burrow, Young, Okuda. Uh, then probably the first quasi-surprise of the draft. Right. Uh, not as far as position, because I think we had the uh, – pretty sure we had the Giants taking a tackle in our mock draft. 
Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, for my money, was the worst of the four tackles. I mean, still a good prospect, but to me, he was the fourth tackle on the board, and he ended up going number four overall uh, to the New York Giants. Yeah, I think that was a consensus for most people, too, was that Andrew Thomas was the, the fourth-ranked tackle uh, lineman on the, on the board. So there you go. I, I believe we had Wills going there, which was him or Wirfs, I feel like, were the top two on a lot of bo- – or the, the top on the right. most consensus boards. For sure, uh, consensus. Yeah. And then I, I, I threw a tweet out about this, but Tua, Tua ends up dropping to the Dolphins there at number five. And it's kind of funny because they spent – the Dolphins spent so much of last year tanking for Tua. They, they went into last year, and that was clearly their plan. They, they traded Minka Fitzpatrick. They traded Tunsil. They traded uh, Kenyon Drake. Pretty much anybody with, like, trade value were, was shipped out early on last season because they were tanking for Tua. And then as the season went on, as the college season went on, things changed a little bit. Uh, Flores, the head coach here, kind of felt like he put his foot down a little bit. He was like, hey, I'm, <laughs> I, I know I'm the new guy around here, but I'm not okay with us just losing and creating a losing culture, uh, especially coming out of the Patriots organization, coming down there. It seemed like he kind of put his foot down a bit, and they ended up winning a few games down the stretch. Hurt them as far as where they were drafting, but overall you can make an argument that was good for them as an organization to show that they're not just okay with losing. So they end up dropping the fifth overall, and then it's kind of mirrored in college uh, as far as prospects go, because you come into the season, Tua is the undoubted number one, number one overall prospect and everything. And then as the season goes on, Tua ends up fracturing and dislocating his hip. That hurts his draft stock a bit, especially with all this quarantine stuff going on, not being able to go and do full medical evaluations on these prospects. And then you have also the the meteoric rise of Joe Burrow. Guy who was on nobody's nobody's radar coming into the season, really, outside of being like, you know, a, a mid to late round kind of prospect. And all of a sudden, he's lighting things up in college, and he just, he flies. And he is now the number one overall prospect, point blank, period, on everybody's draft boards. Yeah. So those things kind of come together. And Dolphins drop down to fifth overall and still get their guy. Tua drops right into their lap there. Yeah, honestly, amazing. That's a blessing from, uh, from above there that they were able to get everything that you just highlighted to work, to happen for them. Mm-hmm. After... Tua goes Justin Herbert to the Los Angeles Chargers. For my money, probably the best situation of those quarterbacks. He's got so much talent, especially from skill positions. I feel like they did improve that offensive line there in uh, San Diego as well. I mean, you were talking about going there and being able to throw to a Pro Bowl wide receiver in Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, a a first-round wide receiver on the rise there, Hunter Henry, who when helped – I mean, you can say this about a ton of the San Diego's 
team. When healthy, Hunter Henry, one of the best at his position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then Austin Eckler, uh, kind of like a Philip Lindsay, come, came from nowhere, and now he's having phenomenal production there in uh, – I think I said San Diego before, but in L.A. Uh, for the chart. Yeah, good point, good point, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, got to love Eckler. Got to love Eckler. Not just, just Colorado ties, but he can play, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, the, the Chargers should be – it should be a tough team, man. We'll, I mean, we'll see how they plan out. Like you said, injuries, man, injuries. But I, I think Herbert went to uh, his best – like you said, his best position, his best available team, I think, really, his best situation for him. Yes. Uh, and after that is kind of – those first six picks were – pretty well known I feel like I mean the first three 100% and then the Giants but two of Herbert pretty well known where those were going to go it's after that where the real intrigue started Derek Brown number seven to the Carolina Panthers this was a bit of a surprise to me just because with Isaiah Simmons there who I felt was like one of the top three prospects in this draft regardless of position with him being there and it being a position of need after uh, Keikley retired there, uh, I really thought the Panthers were going to snap up Isaiah Simmons. He is the prototypical for what you want from kind of the from the linebacker position in today's NFL. Right, and instead he ends up going to the Cardinals. Uh, the Card, I mean, you know, so many teams that could use that guy, but the Cardinals, Cardinals could definitely use him. Um, but yeah, I, I like Derek Brown. I actually yeah, thought that was a good pick. Um, so the, the highlights of I saw of him, man, he was just destroying lines. It, it kind of looked like in Dominican Sioux, um, from what I saw about him. So I can't wait to see him next year. I don't think we play them, but yeah, I, I can't wait to see what he does next year. Um, and then eighth pick was Isaiah Simmons headed over to the, uh, Arizona Cardinals. Like you said, man, he was one of the hot, you said it'd be top three. You said you gave him a top three, uh, I, grade. I think him. Him and Chris, uh, Chris Young, and that were probably my top two prospects in this draft. Honestly, I'm uh, both on the defensive side of the ball, but they were my two favorites. I know quarterbacks are going to be put up there because you know quarterbacks are valued. But as far as not taking into consideration position at all, as far as just football players, they were my top two. Word. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm not really hating the the landing spot for Isaiah Simmons at all. No, uh, him going to the Cardinals. Man, the Cardinals could be that sneaky team in the NFC, looking at kind of what they did this offseason, bringing in Hopkins and Simmons there, and every, everything really they did. They, I mean, the NFC West is so NFC loaded. West. <laughs> NFC West <laughs> so loaded. Right again, man. It's looking real tough. But um, yeah, this is gonna the be Cardinals aren't going to be no rollover. Well, the ninth pick? You got time to discuss the ninth, ninth pick? Yeah. yeah, the ninth pick, C.J. Henderson, honestly, personally, my favorite of the corners in this year's draft. Um, just, just for no other reason, if just speed. So much speed is out there on offense right now because so many teams, after seeing what Tyreek Hill did for the Chiefs, are going speed, speed, speed. You need some speed to counteract that, and that's what C.J. Henderson brings to the board from corners position. Yeah, yeah, he, he's fast. He's real fast. I, I know you were talking about speed. I, I think Akuda is the rightful is the rightful first pick. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's fast, fast. He's so fast. Mm-hmm. He makes fast guys look slow. Yes. You know? 
<laughs> still, still a famous quote. For, still a famous quote from uh, was that movie? I forgot. But look, take a quick break. Well, just a couple things I want to mention on C.E.J. Henderson. Great pickup also for the Jaguars, just because their top two safeties for the past five years, four years, whenever Jalen Ramsey ended up was drafted. Both those guys got traded out of Jacksonville this pat within the past twelve months. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey getting traded to the Rams yeah. and Bouye getting traded to the Broncos. Well, I mean, honestly, if you look at the talent so, they had, really nice pickup with them. But like, you know, if you look at the talent they had when they went to the AFC Championship game just like three years ago, I mean, they've really just just it's all went to Bouye. nobody. It's all it's all just went to hell. Nobody's left from that basically. Nothing. Um, uh, all right, I, another interesting thing about that C.J. Henderson uh, yeah but one, one last interesting about C.J. Henderson pick though is that with that pick it became official that either that one of the top offensive linemen or one of the top uh, wide receivers were for sure going to be there for the Broncos at 15 and it kind of took the need any potential need to trade out of the equation there of trading up unless you were really in love with one particular guy. Uh, and then though, after CJ Henderson's, when we started getting the run on the offensive lineman, Jedrick uh, Wills out, out of Alabama ended up going 10th overall to the Browns. Most people, most boards I saw had him as the number one offensive line prospect. And then you look at Cleveland between Wills and also bringing in, um, now I'm drawing a blank on his name. Conklin, the tackle that that was playing for the Titans. He was one of the Browns' offseason acquisitions. You have the makings of a pretty decent offensive line there in Cleveland. If they can actually get some leadership in place and get everybody pulling in the same direction, I'm I'm more confident in that team this year than I was going into last year. Still a lot of the question marks with Cleveland as far as personalities go, but they actually put together an offensive line now in front of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of look for them to have a ba- uh, bounce-back season, but I still think the Ravens are the best team in that league, uh, in that in that uh, division. And mm-hmm. I still kind of want to see what the Steelers can do. But, yeah, I, I don't think they should be as much of a, an embarrassment as they were last year. They kind of felt like an embarrassment last year, even though they had yes. all that talent. Yes. Uh, followed up another tackle, possibly a tackle – that had the most range as far as what people thought he could accomplish in the NFL. Uh, Makai Becton out of Louisville, the six foot seven, 360 pound behemoth of a man. Uh, he got drafted by the New York Jets, possibly the highest ceiling of any of the prospects here. Just, I mean, if for no other reason, the guy is the possibly the largest individual, I think for sure the largest individual coming out in this year's draft, might have been one of the largest individuals coming out in any draft, and incredibly athletic to go along with it. He's not just stuck in his right. – he's not just stand out there being the way type of dude. This guy ran a 5-1-40 uh, at, at that size. Right. I mean, ridiculously athletic as well. Yeah, man, it's almost – I mean, you highlighted yourself, man. It's just a shame that he uh, landed with the New York Jets. Yeah. (laughs) Following that up, uh, the first wide receiver got taken off the board. And we talked about this last week. 
and I I thought this would be how it'd go. Henry Ruggs gets taken 12th overall. It, it's interesting on a couple fronts. One, I was saying that I thought Henry Ruggs would be the first wide receiver off the board. I think we all kind of – well, you and I agreed on that at least because it's a copycat league. Team C, Kansas City just won the Super Bowl with all the speed of wide receiver, so they're going to over – not no – dig on Henry Ruggs. I think he is a really talented wide receiver. I don't think he was necessarily the best receiver in this class. He might not have even, he might have even been the second best wide receiver in this class, but people will go out and they'll overvalue what they just saw be successful, and that was speed. So Henry Ruggs ended up being the first wide receiver drafted. Also getting drafted by the Raiders is really interesting just because it's the Raiders and they have a long history of chasing speed. I mean, going back to Al Davis and it's just who's the fast player in this draft? Let's get him. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the Raider lineage. That's the Raider way to do things. Um, nothing's changed. They just grab they grab the fastest guy in the world. And I, you know, it's not like Henry Ruggs is a scrub. I mean, he he was a top three, four rated receiver out there. Yes, the yes. guys that were two guys that were rated. Uh, significantly higher than him off the off top but yeah uh, you can't teach speed is what the Raiders motto is and they stuck by that with uh, drafting Henry Ruggs yeah and right after that there was a trade a lot of talk actually that the Broncos were trying to trade up to 13 one last tackle um, arguably the best tackle in this draft depending on whose board you're looking at my personally, my favorite tackle in this draft, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. He was he was there at 13. Broncos were rumored to be trying to trade up there, and instead the Bucks were able to swap picks. Uh, Bucks traded from thir- 14 to 13 just to make sure the Broncos didn't draft draft Tristan Wirfs. And there goes the top four lineman. Oh, yeah, that was the top four right there. That, uh, so I, I think you could see which, I mean, not which, uh, well, yeah, which position that teams really put a, uh, a premium on. And it, it, offensive line went very quick this year. Because, like we talked about last, last week, there was so much more of a dis- discrepancy between the top echelon at that position and then the next group, as opposed to wide receiver, where – you have the top echelon, on those three, four guys, depending on whether or not you put Jefferson in that group. And then the rest of them, they're really, they're really, I felt like really close in this year's draft. Right. 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 Uh, and I think, I think we had our eye on worse, right? That's the guy that we wanted. So we, I mean, he that's the guy I wanted. Um, he was, he was almost there almost, but the way the draft fell out, I'm not, not super disappointed about that, but we'll get more into that when we dive specifically into the Broncos. And then coming up next was the 14th overall. The 49ers traded back and got Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. A beast of a dude, really. Uh, just wreaks havoc inside for the wreaked havoc inside for the Gamecocks. And adding him to that San Francisco defense, that's that's a really good pickup for them, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, 
they lost um they let someone go from that front line last year so just be i mean to replace that guy right away with a rookie contract um who could end up being just as forest buffner forest buffner there you go they lost buffner. which is who who they traded uh for this first round pick that they used on Javon kinlaw Oh, well, there you go. I mean, you know, Buckner's a ball player out of, I think, Oregon. I mean, you know, he, he had a big year last year. But I think the San Francisco defense is really relying on the, the Bolsa brother and then everybody else as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Ken Law's going to slide right in there, and they're going to be just as, as dangerous, just as vicious on that front line as they were last year, man. Uh, Ken Law's a good pickup for them. And, but with that pick, the top-rated wide receiver in this class uh, almost unanimously uh, across the board. Jerry Judy just falls into the lap of the Denver Broncos at 15 and I Elway did not blink twice on it. I think Locke probably did a somersault when this happened. Yeah. They little, just snap him up right there. Yeah. Like you said, I, when, when they, I saw Elway sitting back in that, in that chair looking real comfortable, looking real happy when he drafted Jerry Judy. Uh, yeah, I was, I was excited. Then I saw, uh, you know, flip to Twitter, saw uh, saw Drew Locke tweet the uh, – uh, what what emoji was that? The, uh, like, the sly face emoji? Oh, yeah, like smirking? Like, yeah, the, oh. Yeah, the smirk face. That's, yeah. <laughs> he tweets a smirk face. So, Elway, Locke, they were in lockstep, happy to have Jerry Judy come in, I think, with the rest of Denver. We were all happy to see Jerry Judy fall to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That Welcome one. back to EMP Sports. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right, that I'll, was some new music. I'll go for it. That was uh, new music. That was new music. Welcome back to the EMP Sports, man. Welcome oh back to my sports show. It's me and Mike getting into the draft again. We're always over talking each other. It's this Zoom, Mike. That's what it is, man. These things happen when we're not uh, in studio together, riding. You, it's hard to get that feeling, like get that rhythm and that flow when it's all virtual. Bro. Can't read the body language as well. You know, you kind of saw in the draft a little bit of that delay too, though, right? Um, you know, oh, guys yes. drafted and then they'd immediately dive in, take that look into the into the into the family room or whatever. And sometimes the guys are still, or most guys, they're kind of still just chilling, waiting. Kind of that that last like ten seconds of your life before you get your dream comes true. <laughs> just kind of hanging out there. So we kind of got to see. We we didn't get always get to see that immediate reaction. It was kind of they they got they kicked. And then you looked in, and they're just kind of sitting there still. And the analysts, too, I felt like uh, there, sometimes there was like a five-second pause there where everybody was like, okay, who's going to talk now? Who's right. going? Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I thought it was a really smooth production pretty much, but those are like the small, you know, you, you can never be perfect if you're doing this over video chat with everyone, right? Yeah, because you're not able to read people. I mean – because so much of, like, there's so many nonverbal cues and not even, like, you know, like, obvious ones, like, or, you know, tapping your chest, being like, I'll, I'll go next sort of deal. But there's so much of that when you're in person that you get that flow and you kind of learn how to read people when they're about to say something or things of that nature. Right, right. Should we keep diving into this draft, man, or, or should we? Yeah, let's let's knock out a f- couple more of these before we – Take a break here. Um, after the Broncos, the Atlanta Falcons drafted A.J. Terrell, the uh, corner out of Clemson. An- another guy, a lot of corners this year I felt like were 6'1", six, you know, over six feet tall. 
with uh, decent 40 times. It was not a lot of small corners, at least early on in the draft. Yeah, I think we're kind of getting to the point now where, you know, the receivers are all, or, you know, all of them, but a lot of them seem to be 6'3 to 6'5. So it's kind of like you're almost out of luck if you're out there and you're a 5'10 corner. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I felt like when, when uh, Brandon Browner and Richard Sherman came in, and, you know, these guys were like 6'2, 6'3, I felt like that was kind of the, the first round of, okay, we're going to have taller corners, taller corners with, with longer arms. Oh, yeah. And this year might be the year where that really takes hold in the NFL, looking at, you know, these first three corners are all 6'1 plus that got taken in this year's draft. Here we go. Go through this first round of action from the NFL draft. We left off uh, just finishing up pick 16. At pick 17, though, your, your boy with two phones, C.D. Lamb, comes off the board to the Dallas Cowboys. With two phones himself. Yeah. I uh, mean. C.D. Lamb, he was, what, the second rate? Yeah, he was second rate as receiver. Dropped all the way to 17. Couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think they found a gym in uh, Dallas down there. I think he's going to be a ball player. Um, yeah, big Good pickup for them. I, I don't know what this means for the team. I guess this means that the Cowboys are no longer a run first team and now they're a pass first team. Which this is an interesting pick to me, just as far as like you said, what does this say about the Cowboys? They they invested in Ezekiel Elliott, they've invested in Amari Cooper. And really Is this their way of investing in Dak? Is that is that it? Is this a, is this the way of being like okay, Dak? We're giving you all these weapons. We franchise tagged you. Show us, show us what you can do, because they are. I mean, or they're saying CD Lamb, CD Lamb's an upgrade over Michael Gallup out of CSU, and Michael Gallup's probably better suited to be in the slot for them, anyways. But wide receiver was not near their biggest need in Dallas and you go and spend a first round pick on it. Nah, I'm actually not sure what their biggest need is, but I, I kind of look at them and I say they have a star at every level on offense. I guess they lost the cornerback now. So maybe they don't have a star at level, every level on the defense anymore, but you know, they have, they have a defensive line that they got some linebackers for sure. Uh, yeah, I guess they needed the DB this year. They needed DB. They didn't get them. They grabbed CD lamb. I didn't think it was a horrible pick just because CD lamb is a Pretty high-rated draft pick, and he just dropped so far down. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll see what this means for them. We'll see what this means. I don't want to keep talking about the damn Cowboys, though. Man, let's just yeah. let's delete all, all that. Let's delete all that, and let's skip right over sixteen to eighteen. And <laughs> <laughs> at eighteen, the Dolphins jumped back in there and got Austin Jackson, the offensive tackle out of USC. Man, I I love this pick. Being you know, you spend Dolphins came into the day with three first-round picks. You spend your first on probably. You're most likely your quarterback of the future, the guy you're investing in to be your franchise. Your next first-round pick, you go and get the best tackle available. Outside of those top five, Austin Jackson was, by a decent margin, the best dude available. And they go and get him with their next first-round pick. I love the pick for Miami. I all, yeah, I, I think, like, everybody loved that pick. I said, hey, look at Miami doing some smart things. Miami <laughs> Bill doing, you know, helping Brian Flores out over there, helping Tua out. So, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what Miami does this year. The next trade was – or the next pick was Damon Arnett out of Ohio State, another cornerback taken in the first round. And 
really kind of a surprise. I mean, the Ra- it's the Raiders, so Raiders are always kind of surprising when it comes to draft day. But you take a guy here who was a day two prospect for most people, and you take him in the first round right here, seemed like a bit of a reach for me. Uh, huge reach, but um, I, I assumed his 40 time was like 4-1 or something like that <laughs> when he got him. <laughs> you know, that's what I assumed it was. Which is funny because his 40 time was actually a 4-5-6. He didn't even run that fast. Really, huh? Yeah. All right, then. Well, I, I mean, It's even more confusing for th- me. I mean, that alone can drop you down to the second round grade, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess there's a reason. Who knows? Who knows what the Raiders are thinking? Who knows? Who knows? I don't even want to dive into all. I, I, it's good for me because right. as long the Raiders suck, that's, tell you what. Probably, that's awesome. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you this about our, uh, Damon Arnett at Ohio State headed to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders now. He can't guard Jerry Judy. He can't guard Jerry guard Judy. Jerry he can't G- guard Cortland Sutton. He can guard Cortland Sutton. Too small for no offense. So we'll see. Um, at 20, the Jaguars hopped in there and took Clavon Chase on, the uh, LSU pass rusher, you say. I mean, another good pick, especially since it looks like they're going to have to move on from Nandaku uh, there in Jacksonville. Both these first-round picks are basically just trying to restock what they're trading away. Yeah, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're retreading. It's like you got to start over after, after what you had built three years ago. It's my goodness. Yeah, the Jaguars are a mess down there. Yes. Uh, really a, a good pick for them, though. This was a this was a guy going about where he should. It might have even been a little bit of a value pick, a little bit of a – you know, fell into their lap type of pick there at 20. Then you move on to 21 and the Philadelphia Eagles um, with Justin Jefferson still on the board with Michael Pittman Jr. Still on the board with Brandon Ayuk still on the board with T Higgins still on the board. And I, I could probably name a couple others. They go and draft Jalen Rieger at a TCU. Uh, uh, I, 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 I thought coming into the draft just randomly, like if there's a team I thought needed receivers, it was uh, the Eagles because I just didn't trust any of their guys. To me, they were all trash. You know, they dropped passes. I mean, it's kind of embarrassment at the receiver spot. I thought they were guaranteed to get a receiver. Like you said, all these Pittman, IU, Higgins, they had talent. They had guys that were highly drafted. Maybe their draft boards didn't look right. I don't know what scouts they've got, but whatever, man. That's what they went for. Um, they definitely need a receiver, though. They needed several to me. Who's he's a small receiver mm-hmm. who ran a good forty time, not a blazing forty time. I mean, he's five foot eleven and ran a four four seven. Like that, that's a decent that's, forty that's time, not, but not at five eleven. Uh, yeah, that's not even four at four four seven at a five. I mean, that's the four four seven is practically four five, man. That's practically a four. Yeah. And at 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 five eleven receiver. And then you mentioned the drops they had there out of the receiving core. I would think you'd want to get somebody sure-handed. And one of the knocks on Jalen Rieger is his all skills are not excellent. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing there in Philly? I don't know. I don't, you know, I do remember specifically that they said that he was drafted for speed. And so now you're breaking down his 40 speed. I don't even know what they're talking about on TV anymore. But I do remember specifically they were talking about, hey, he was drafted for speed. So they go and they, they reach on a wide receiver – and the Minnesota Vikings 
they're okay with that because they're drafting at 22 and they go, oh, you're going to pass in Justin Jefferson? We're not making that mistake. And really kind of like um, kind of like we said with Jacksonville, they traded Stephon Diggs for a first-round draft pick. Their first first-round draft pick they spent on a wide receiver. Hey, that's, a, that's, that's good business there. You use you. Now you want to get paid. Let you go. Get your placement coming in. You do the same thing for uh, millions and millions of less mo- monies. Mm-hmm. I mean, just Justin Jefferson, just to compare him to Rieger real quick, two inches taller with uh, a four four three forty, Which I feel like is, is, is about a half a step. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's way fast. I mean, way oh, faster, honestly. <laughs> when you're winning all year long. You know what I mean? It, to me, that – Yes. Uh, but whatever. I mean, the Eagles thought they saw something back there at 21. Yep. 23rd overall. Um, the Chargers come in with their second pick of the day after picking up their franchise – what they hope is going to be their franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. Uh, they draft a guy who was potentially a top 15 pick, really, in Kenneth Murray. Uh, in a lot of other draft classes, probably would have been the best – linebacker available uh kenneth murray drops to them at 23rd overall great pick for the Chargers in my book yeah i mean they, they tried they tried to get their new franchise quarterback with the first pick and then with the 23rd pick or i guess it was a sixth pick and then with the 23rd pick they tried to get their uh franchise uh inside linebacker right defensive captain or so for that game they tried to do get the leader on both sides of the ball in the mm-hmm. first round so great for them yeah, I wasn't uh, upset at that at all. But after that, the New Orleans Saints ended up picking up Cesar Ruiz. Uh, he was a cat that I was kind of hoping might slide. Uh, really, there were two top there were two top centers in this draft. There was a uh, Lord uh, Cushenberry and Cesar Ruiz. I was kind of hoping Ruiz would drop to the Broncos in the second round. He ends up getting snapped it up, snapped up 24th overall by the Saints, adding some protection there for Breeze or Winston or Taysom Hill, you know, whoever. Somebody down there. Yeah, I, I, good pick. Good pick up. <laughs> Follow that up, 25th overall, Brandon Ayuk uh, out of Arizona State. Another cat that is really good after the catch. After um, – C.D. Lamb and maybe Henry Ruggs just because of that speed. Ayuk was probably the best run after the catch receiver in this year's draft, especially when you're talking about top-end type of actual receiving talent. Yeah, athletic guy. He's a dude, like you said, just chews up the yak. He just chews up the yards after catch. Um, he, should have a, he should have a decent career, man. Why not? Partnering up there with Debo Samuel in, uh, <laughs> there in San Francisco – they're, it looks like they're just reloading and <laughs> going to be going back to at least the NFC Championship game. I don't want to call it, man, but yeah, it's 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 that's a tough team. That's a that's a really deep roster. Uh, just got better. Mm-hmm. Now, probably the most intriguing pick as far as the NFL as a whole uh, in the first round, especially, came after that. The Green Bay Packers with probably potentially a future Hall of Fame quarterback on their roster and Aaron Rodgers, who 
has been asking and borderline begging for talent to throw to. They go and draft Jordan Love, the fourth quarterback in this draft to come off the board out of Utah State. I just, I mean, you have one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live, like one of the top, if you don't want to say he's top five, he's like one of the top 10 quarterbacks to ever touch a football. And he still, to me, has another like five years easy. Um, there's T. Higgins is still out there, right? And is Pittman still out there? Pittman's still out there. Pittman's still there's out there. There's options, man. There's options. Chenault's still out and there. Go, and they draft his replacement. Yep. I don't now. Yeah. What I will say is, I mean, replacement or backup. There's only two options. He's either his replacement or his backup. That's who you drafted. And it's going to be backup into replacement. I mean, they basically did the same thing with Rogers and Favre. Um, what was that? Right. Two decades ago, now almost. Yeah. Um, I mean, and yeah. Green Bay, for what it's worth. They know how to do this, and it's obviously been it's their mo. Uh, they they see a quarterback they really like. I mean, with Rodgers, it was kind of a Rodgers kind of fell into your lap, basically right. back in that right. right draft. But clearly, they see some in Jordan Love, and not necessarily this early. But I think this is what you should be doing. You should be drafting your quarterback of the future before your current quarterback is done. I love the idea of a quarterback being able to sit for a season and actually learn, especially when you have a Hall of Fame type guy in front of him that he can sit and learn and study behind. So in the long haul, I think this is an, an amazing move for the Packers. Short term, and if you're Aaron Rodgers, annoying. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're annoyed there. I just uh... – I guess this kind of just means that he ain't going to finish his career there. You know what I mean? This, to me, that's what this kind of says, is he won't finish his career there. Well, let's see. Uh, when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, I think Brett, I think Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for three seasons. Mm-hmm. While Favre played games back and forth. Well, I'm going to retire. I'm back for like three seasons. Mm-hmm. So, and Rodgers. Rodgers is what 35 36 yeah so he may not end his, yeah, they his like career because he doesn't he hasn't really shown signs of decline yet but it was it was eerie how many similarities there were between the Favre Rogers uh situation and now when they draft Jordan Love to replace Rogers yeah all right uh probably, so- Probably the biggest story coming out of the draft, that especially that first day, was Jordan Love. Though. Um, after that, Seattle Seahawks got their first pick. And um, the Seahawks, when it comes to drafting, really seem a lot of times to go kind of outside the box. They have their guys. Pete Carroll has his guys he likes, and he doesn't really care what other people think. He's going to draft those guys regardless of – what other people have him ranked because Jordan Brooks is a, you know, round two, maybe round three type of prospect on most people's boards. And the Seahawks draft him in the first round. Right. right. Um, yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like what you said, man. They, they know, or, or Pete and his crew knows exactly who he wants to target. He doesn't really care what the rest of y'all think the rest of y'all being us. Um, 
and he went and got his man. He went and got his man. We saw this when I mean this this is what he did when he got Sherman. This is what he did when he went and got uh, uh, Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and all those guys. He picked them up a little earlier than what people thought they were, um, and we saw what they turned out to be. So I thought it was hard to dog on him too much for it. Right. It's it, it, it's a head scratcher right now, but if history shows anything, a couple years down the road, we'll be talking about Jordan Brooks as a Pro Bowl linebacker. Right, right. Uh, Patrick Queen comes off the board next to the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of hype about that pick. A lot of people drawing comparisons, which seems kind of unfair to do, but saying, oh, the Ravens just drafted their next Ray Lewis here with Patrick Queen. I saw that from several different people on Twitter. Uh, um, yeah, uh, Pat Queen, he was – yeah, he was, to me, pretty heavily lauded. Like, if I just took a feeling off the draft, it, it felt like a lot of people felt like he was – like, he's going to be, a, like, a guaranteed – not star, but, like, he's he's solid. He's going to be – you don't have to worry about him draft or busting out. He's um, – That was one of the things I took away from him. He was a lot more of a physical type of prospect at linebacker, uh, even though he he – clocked faster in the 40 I definitely felt like Kenneth Murray was a better pass coverage linebacker which in today's NFL I think is more important but they got their due there at 28 Isaiah Wilson came off the board next to Tennessee Titans uh I mean they invested in Derrick Henry they need a line in front of him to block keeps keeps him tread on those tires uh the Miami Dolphins with their last pick of the draft drafted their Fitzpatrick replacement in Noah. I'm not even going to try to say that last name. Noah I. Bonagine. Yeah. Uh, then Jeff Gladney, another corner, comes off the board to the Minnesota Vikings at 31. Just to finish up the first round, um, another intriguing pick for some different reasons. The stacked offense of the Kansas City Chiefs end up picking the very first and only running back to get drafted in the first round. In uh, Clyde Edwards, uh, man, now I'm drawing a blank on his last name. Hilaire. Hilaire. Yes. Uh, somebody who really fits the mold of what it is Andy Reid likes to do with his running backs. He likes smaller running backs who are good at catching the ball out of the backfield. And that is – those are the biggest pluses on Clyde's resume right there. Yeah. He, he – productive productive last year at LSU. Um, and like you said, he fits right in there with Andy Reid going back to like – remember Brian Westbrook, I think was his name, that, that, that uh, running back he had out in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, he, he likes a smaller – he likes a smaller scat back. I like to call him the quick back, catch ball at the field, get up field, make a couple moves, get some extra yards. Um, and that's what the Chiefs are, it just as a team in whole, just a blur, just so fast down the field, across the field. Uh, so Edward Slayer should be able to fit right in with that. I mean, I saw him run, across, run through the tackles in college, too, so I don't think he's a scrub. No, no. Um, now I want to talk about maybe one or two of day two draft picks that you felt that you really liked and were real interest to you. I want to start it off, though, by talking Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts ends up being the next quarterback taken off of the board, but he gets taken by the Philadelphia Eagles. So not only do they kind of have like a, an interesting 
draft pick in the first round, kind of a reach at wide receiver. Their next pick in the draft, they spend on a quarterback. I mean, I guess you could say they spent it on an offensive weapon in Jalen Hurts because I definitely foresee him getting used a lot more like Taysom Hill, at least early on. But you you spend your second-round pick on Jalen Hurts when you have somebody who is talked about about being one of the next, you know, the next round of great quarterbacks. You know, we went from having the the Eli, the Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Philip Rivers, kind of that class, and who's the next group to step up. And Carson Wentz is in that category for, with most people. And you spend your second-round pick on him, on Jalen Hurts, and Wentz, unlike – Aaron Rodgers is still entering the prime of his career. Like, he's still in his mid-20s. He's not aging out by a long shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's uh, – I, th- I thought it was a pretty good pick. I just thought that was a good pick uh, overall. And for him to drop to the second day, I didn't necessarily see it coming. But when it, when it happened, I thought it was a good pick up for him. I guess – You actually – you like the pick for Philadelphia. Yeah, um, I just I just think Philly could use that talent, his uh, that guy there, and uh, I just uh, when you think about Taysom Hill and what he could do, man. I mean, look, they probably could have got him at like third or fourth, but I think for the time, maybe not fourth. I think they might have been able to get him at third, um, possibly. But his talent, man, what he can do as far as the Taysom Hill role, being that, that special player who can throw the ball or, or go catch it somewhere, run guys over. I think that part's coming into – I think that, that that role is starting to play a bigger part in the league. I mean, even when you look at it, like Denzel Mims, uh, one of those guys who could have been a first-round type of prospect at wide receiver, but this draft class was so stacked at that position this year. He was still on the board and available. And – the Eagles, arguably their biggest need was wide receiver, even with them spending their first round pick on a wide receiver and they go Jalen Hurts still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I can't go too supportive because they definitely needed a receiver, but I, I don't hate Jalen Hurts. I don't, I don't hate Jalen Hurts or the Jalen Hurts option. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see exactly what they want to do here with, with, uh, with at the receiver spot. Uh, is there another name that kind of jumped out to you as far as day two picks of interest to you? Uh, just the first guy. The first guy taken off, man, with T. Higgins. T. Higgins, I thought, was uh, was going to be a day one guy for sure. Um, that didn't happen. And then he drops right to the Bengals who took him in the first round to go with um, to go with uh, Burrow. Give him someone to throw to right away. They still have A.J. Green, though he's aging for sure. Um, and then the other receiver they have. So I think they have um, some, some decent pieces there to, on, on offense now. Um, so I want to see what they do. And I'd like T. Higgins, you know, 6'4". Like, he was a bigger guy. Um, I, just, I, just, I just think he has a lot of, a lot of potential. A lot of, uh, a lot of potential in that dude, man. I, I sent this out as a tweet. But if Joe Burrow doesn't succeed or have, you know, put up good numbers his first year in Cincinnati, it's not going to be for lack of – weapons between AJ Green uh John Ross who still has the record for fastest 40 time I mean if you get the ball in his hands 
he can do things with it. So unpolished as an actual receiver. But then you throw in T. Higgins out there as well. And you have uh, the running back out of Oklahoma from a couple years ago. Um, Man, I can't think of his name at the moment. Oh, Mixon. Uh, Mixon. Yes, Mixon. Uh, you right. have a lot of that's some talent, man. <laughs> you got some weapons there, so field positions, guys. Uh, I, last... I, I, go ahead. I don't mm-hmm. know how much time you have left. I was going to say oh. David McKinney. I thought was definitely going to go in the first like fifteen, and he dro- he dropped to the Giants in the uh, round two. So that was another. That was a huge guys. value pick there for the Giants. Huge yeah. value pick. I thought those two guys were the, were the most surprising. The the last name I want to talk about before talking about teams is LaVisca Chenault obviously mm-hmm. local interest there he ends up dropping to you know the 42nd overall pick 10th pick in the second round and going unfortunately for him to the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah um unfortunately because I think he's gonna be a good player uh, he's just not gonna be seen or cared about because the team gonna <laughs> suck <laughs> All right, so I want to move on to teams real quick. Uh, try to think of a team that really stood out to you, but I will, I'll start it off here. For a team that did not have a first-round pick, the Indianapolis Colts being able to snag up Michael Pittman in the second round and being able to get Jonathan Taylor in the second round, you're re- you got two first-round-type talents there uh, without having any first-round picks. So great value there for the Indianapolis Colts in my book. Uh, Then other teams of note to me, we spent some time talking about the Cardinals already uh, just because they got Isaiah Simmons and then they got Josh Jones uh, with the eighth pick in the second round. Another one of those offensive linemen that ranked outside of the top group but it's definitely going to be a starter there for them down in Arizona. And then their third-round pick, Leaky Fotu, they run a 3-4. It's Vance Joseph. So they run more of that traditional type of 3-4 with the big dudes up front. And Fotu comes in at 6'5", 330 pounds out of Utah. Uh, Huge dude for you. Great pickup for them in the third round. Did you have a team to talk about? Um, I, I, I want to say it's the Browns. I want to say it's the Browns, man, grabbing uh, Jedrick Wills there in the first round pick, getting, uh, um, my goodness, Baker Mayfield, someone to, uh, you know, protect him. I thought that was a big pick. Then I thought they came back and they got Grant Delpit in the second round. He was kind of a guy that I thought might go just in the first mm-hmm. round. I'm not sure where I thought he would go, but I thought he might go in the first round. Um, but, you know, got so got him back there at safety. I thought that was a good pickup. You got Jordan Elliott and then um, and then Jacob Phillips. They were, they really went hard on the defense, but after they got themselves an offensive lineman to help keep Baker Mayfield Mayfield up front, up right, so that he can throw the ball down the field to the, the, the star guys they got. In that division, last thing before we take a break, the Baltimore Ravens really retooled that defense in this draft in this draft with Patrick Queen, and then in the third round they got arguably the most athletic defensive lineman in this whole draft and Justin uh, Matabuki love the draft for Baltimore. They're going to be a problem this year. Not to mention sandwich. And there was JK Dobbins out of Ohio state at running back for them. <laughs> Brought in my man, uh, Keyshawn to talk about the Broncos, man. Yes. Yes. How y'all doing? This hour is all Denver Broncos. Huge weekend for us. Let's dive right into it. Uh, well, the Denver, 
the Denver Broncos, I mean, Kayshawn's here, and his dude ended up falling right into the lap of the Broncos. I've, I've been pushing offensive line a lot, but all four of the dudes was off the board by the time it got to the Broncos. So, Jerry Judy, not a bad pickup at all. Not a bad pickup. Runs great routes, and he's he brings an instant star factor to the Denver Broncos. I feel like a lot of people wanted Jerry Judy jersey before they wanted any of those offensive linemen jerseys. So I think that that was a good good move for team marketing and a good move for team success. Uh, I mean, All right. you, you can't really make a bad point there. I don't I don't know any linemen jerseys that is selling, not on the offensive side at least. Yeah. Dalton Reisner jerseys. Are those Reisner jerseys just flying off the shelves? Yeah. I wouldn't say they're flying off the shelves, but there's definitely a few of those out there just because he's a local kid and he went on and had a phenomenal rookie season. You can go. You can go. Um, oh, yeah. Great pick, man. He was he had the top right receiver grade. Uh, the, the Raiders did some Raiders stuff and went with the fastest guy. Broncos fastest guy. Um, it's just very proud of the team for what they did. Elway looked. We, t- we said this earlier. Elway looked so happy, so comfortable when he when he made that draft pick. Uh, those trophies, those three Super Bowl trophies, were shining right over behind his right shoulder. Um, Drew Locke sent in the sent in the tweet with the sly face. He was excited. He can't, he can't wait to see for September to come around, man. I'm excited. How y'all feeling? Uh, I'm. He's not necessarily a blazer, not like Henry Rice, but he definitely brings some speed on the outside. Um, probably a little faster than Cortland Sutton. Not necessarily as physical as Cortland, though, but a better route runner. Probably the best overall wide receiver prospect in this draft. Number one on most people's boards was Jerry Judy. Right. And for him to f- just fall in the lap of the Broncos at 10, where he was slated to be a top 10 or in the Broncos' laps at 15, when he was slated to be a top 10 pick in, mo- in pretty much – everybody's mock draft uh, kind of a gift for the Denver Broncos, especially when you look at how some of the rest of the draft fell out for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. It really I love, worked out in the end. I loved it because going into the draft, you had Tim Patrick as your second guy <laughs> and Deshaun Hamilton. So then you end up getting Jerry Judy who can run Great routes, is that's all you hear about. And he has a pretty good speed to him. But then in the second round, you go out and get K.J. Hamler, who runs a Which four, can, oh my four two, seven. So let me ask you guys about Camel, right? Do, do we think that was a reach? Yes. Oh, not at all. 100% a reach. That's, that's a disagreement here. I think it wasn't a reach because if you watch the guy play at Penn State, He's a ball player, and he has – that's what the Broncos needed was speed. If you needed to – if John L.A. needed somebody to help him. Oh, no, man. Look, look, look. I'll, be, I'll keep it real, dog. I, I don't know about wide receivers out of Penn State, and I don't know about cornerbacks out of Iowa. I don't, man. The real athletes is Florida, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State. Why, why we ain't get one of them corners and receivers? Iowa, Penn State, that's what we're reaching for. But you, uh, I know Elway went to Stanford, so I know what time it is. I know he's trying to get the Ivy League kids. Like, oh, you play football and you went to almost Ivy League. We love you. That's fair. 
But you also got to look at John Elway is looking across the league and you have guys that aren't at every big elite school making plays. So Hamlet's your guy. Who's the best player in the league right now? Mahomes. What in what school he went what to as to he? Damn, y'all both broke up there, man. <laughs> y'all were both kind of. Yeah. I said, in what school did Patrick Mahomes go to? Can you go to Iowa? He went to Texas Tech, though. Bro, in Texas, even a smaller school than Iowa. What? what, what is that, huh? so, uh, so I don't want to dive too much into that, Mike. I want to know why you thought it was a uh, a reach, as you guys are both kinda... because of who else? Like who else was there? I mean, you could have had Ezra Cleveland there, who you know could have pushed Bowles potentially, you know, a lot of people don't like Bowles. I'm not as hard on Bowles as other people, but it's somebody you could have had there and could have ended up under Munchak being your starting tackle next season or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm hard on but even, big, even bigger than that, there was Marlon Davidson there. It, it, for, for my money, that would have added some defensive line depth. That could have been your starter – uh, that could have been a starter on the defensive line for you outside of uh, Casey and um, Harris. You could have gotten a starter on the defensive line there. And Hamler was somebody who I felt like could have still been there for you later on. He was uh, – I, I thought it was a reach. With the way the draft fell out, I wasn't – I'm not super upset about it, but – when you look at some of the other guys that were available, you could have gone Trayvon Diggs there. Like, two positions of need, you know, defensive line, defensive backfield. You had guys that were slated about that pick instead of reaching on Hamler. That was a reach there. And especially at a position that you already spent your first – first round like you spent your first round pick on so to double down on that when there was other positions of need that you could have gotten potentially a starting caliber player at that's why I think it was a reach after the first round after we drafted Jerry Judy what were you looking at was our position of need offensive line was I mean not offensive line was my number one priority going into the draft so when we didn't address that in the first round that's where I was still at after that it came down I honestly, what I really wanted was a coverage linebacker, but I didn't really love anybody that was still there for the Broncos at 15 at that point or at 14 in the second round. So I wasn't – there wasn't really somebody I was would be pushing for right there. But it was offensive line and then basically any level on the defense. Got you. So I heard you say Ezra Cleveland. I heard a lot of people say that they liked that at the time. But you get K.J. Hamler, you get the guy out of Iowa, and then in the fourth round you get Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU, who isn't a bad pick. And I feel like he can transition. Which is, which is why I say – which is why I say the way it fell out, I'm not as upset with it. Um, but tra- really, with the way it fell out, the Trayvon Diggs or the um, Marlon Davis, were the two guys I really felt like we missed out there by getting Hamler. What Hamler does bring is returnability. It, this could be the first time in, in quite some time since um, Holiday 
that we have somebody that's really scary back there to return kicks. I was watching one highlight of Hamler where he had like a hundred yard kickoff return and you average out what his 40 time, what his average 40 time was for that. It was like four, two, two. And this is with doing jukes and, you know, <laughs> this is not just straight line. This is having to do some moves in the open field average out to like four, two, two. So it's going to add some explosiveness on in the return game. I just, I don't know. Those, those two names in particular that we could have gone there, I felt like could have been better served for the Broncos. I, I think Trayvon Diggs, I wouldn't have been mad at that pick. But I just, I, I think his, his speed isn't completely there. And then he's a lengthy guy. But I just don't think – like, if you watch the national championship game, Jamar Chase had his way – or not the national championship game, but when they played Alabama, Jamar Chase had his way. And a lot of those wide receivers played really good against Trayvon Diggs. So I think that's what really – there was a line between him being that pick for the Broncos and then dropping a little bit. I think – that that fourth or that third round pick with Lloyd Cushenberry and then McTelvin Agum from Arkansas, I think that those two picks help our line tremendously. So to start off the third round, the Broncos ended up drafting uh, Michael. Does anybody know for sure how to pronounce that name? Because I'm going to butcher it. McTelvin Ojemudia. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Ojemudia. <laughs> ended up drafting him uh he's a raw prospect at corner in a lot of ways he's got the height and he's got the speed but he's he got burned a lot uh and I felt like this was a bit of a reach going into this draft I tweeted out I was like there's only one name that should be coming out of the mouth for the Broncos here and that's Lloyd Cushenberry I I Wanted them to draft him here. I thought it would have been a great value for them to get at 13th pick in the third round. And the Broncos don't go and don't do it. It pissed me off. <laughs> to be frank here. Um, what? You already know how I feel about uh, Michael Ojimuja, cornerback out of Iowa University. I mean, a lot of raw talent there. I like him. We'll see how it pans out for Fangio. I mean, any pick that Fangio does on defense, I'm not going to overly question. Just Fangio knows what he's doing. Fangio's great on defense. I think you guys don't like him as much because of the school that he went to. No, well, I don't me. care about the school. That's just, that, that's just that's Phil. That's Phil. He Phil's yeah, yeah. elitist when it comes to college yeah. Yeah. athletics. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's something to that. There's something to that. Michael has, as you said, good speed, good size. I think that he's gonna have to he's gonna have to learn from anybody that he can really as far as trans that transition. Anybody that he can, huh? Usually like <laughs> you have that ability with Chris Harris, but he's gone now. So you gotta be able to find some kind of vet like Will Parks or Justin Simmons. Yeah. They're gonna be people. I, I just think it's it's a sharp learning curve, man. And my man Mike started this off by saying, "Yo, he gets burned a lot." Yeah. And I mean, I mean if, if that's the case, what are we talking about here, man? So, so what do we think for this guy? Are, are we thinking he's a, a corner this year? 
learn sometimes. I like him. I think he has a really good potential. Does he start corner for the 2021 Broncos? 2020, 2021? Yeah. Yes? I see yes and a no. Oh, maybe 2021, not 2020. I mean this year. I'm sorry. Not this season. Not this season. The 2020, 2021 Broncos. There you go. This year he's going to be on the field 90% of the time. Okay. You got him as a starter right away then. Okay. I, I, I'm not believing it. I guess we'll he, see he may see some good. He may see some good time. Let me see. starter. I don't know though, and I just thought it was a reach. I, I I thought it was a reach. I think it's a guy who you probably could have gone with one of your other third round picks. Yeah, it just. Um, and then you look at some like the the big name for me there was Lloyd Cushenberry, and I really thought Broncos should have jumped on that. But. If we move on to the next pick in the draft, uh, my dream comes true. And they do get Lloyd Cushenberry. Six picks later. Yes. Oh. He's not. Fell into the Broncos' lap there. Him and Ruiz were really close in my book as far as centers go. Uh, There wasn't a huge gap between them. And Ruiz goes in the first round, and Cushenberry drops all the way into halfway through the third round. The Broncos are able to snap him up. Day one starter at center, Cushenberry. Oh, day one starter, huh? Day one starter. Go go ahead, Keyshawn. You're going to say something about the uh, cornerback situation? I'm distracted about that. Uh, The cornerback, Michael, he'll be a slot at best right now. Because we have A.J. Bouye and Bryce right. Callahan. So I think that those two are going to be there. And then – so though he does have some vets that he can lean so, on. So real quick question, and, uh, and just give me just give me the last name. Isaac Yudam or uh, Michael – this guy? Let me just drive. Uh, give me the first name. I like Yudam. Yudam. I like Yudam. Yudam. But I think that since okay. he, he's fresh and new at the pick, I think that – he has a little bit more upside is what they're saying. So I think they want to get him out on the field as much as they can. All right. So, yeah. So then round three at 83, we get Mike's guy, Lloyd Cushenberry. Mike says he's a starter right away this year. What are you thinking, Mike? What are you seeing out there that puts him a starter right away? I, you just – you look at this offensive line and center is the one – you can hate uh, – the tackle positions are another – kind of a different topic, but interior – you, you're, you're set at left and right guard, okay? You are set there. Two guys who are starters on a lot of teams in the NFL. You slide Cushenberry in there, and he, he slots as a day one starter on a lot of teams. He is solid. He's a leader. He was uh, – what was the award? Well, the, the LSU gave – the eight, number 18 jersey to him, which is basically – it's a huge honor within LSU football uh, is giving the, the 18 jersey. And he's a recipient okay. of that for LSU. Uh, I think he just steps in there. And honestly, after this pick, I am not upset with what the Broncos' offensive line is going to look like going into next year. Uh, Bowles has some question marks there, but he's going to be – he showed a lot of improvement down the stretch last season. Showed a lot of improvement. Yeah. His yeah. holding calls went down a lot. So I, I'm not upset with him getting another year there. And then the biggest question mark for me in on this offensive line now after this pick is that right tackle position on whether or not Juan James is going to be healthy, whether or not he's going to want to play football. I mean, but 
There's a one. I'm actually pretty happy with what this offensive line is going to look like going into next season. So, so here's the offensive line left to right here. Uh, Garrett Bowles, left tackle. Dalton Reisner, left guard. Lloyd Cushenberry, the third, our new pick. Uh, the center spot, Graham Glasgow at the right guard. And as you said, right tackle, Juwan James. Uh, I'm not as much worried about the right tackle position because after that, you have Elijah Wilkinson, who's – he's okay. He's not the worst. But he, he can get you some reliable downs where you know that he'll be solid. And then at the backup, you really just have Austin Schultman and Calvin Anderson at left tackle. So, really, they got – Wilkinson's going to be that swing tackle. Yeah, exactly. They have Austin Schultman as the backup for both guards and the center position. So but that's going to change with Mooty. Right. We'll get into Mooty in a minute, but that will change with Mooty. Okay. Um, we need to drive into our round four. We got some time here. Well, we got one more pick left in the third. Uh, yeah. The Broncos, with their third pick in the third round, pick up uh, McTelvin Ogham, defense tackle out of Arkansas. Um, I love not a, you, you love that pick? He's a dog. SEC football, and he makes plays. He can stop the run very – he he stops to run very proficiently, and then he still has enough speed to get around his tack, get around the guard, and get to the quarterback. I love that about it. Whenever he didn't see a double team, I, it seems like he always won his matchup, and that's something the Broncos need. So I was obviously I was on the uh, bandwagon of trying to get an athletic coverage linebacker in. And I thought that was one of the biggest need, like top three biggest needs for the Denver Broncos coming into this three in this season. So I actually had my eye on Davion Taylor out of Colorado. He was a super athletic, super fast guy who made plays sideline to sideline. And that's who I wanted to see the Broncos get there. He was, he's raw. I mean, he's far from being a polished prospect there at linebacker because he didn't play a ton of football yet, but I felt like under, under Fangio in this defense, I thought he would have he was my guy there unfortunately I mean we got a good player I'm not upset with the player it just wasn't necessarily the direction I wanted to go Taylor ended up going to the Eagles later on in the third mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit more about um McTelvin Aguim third the third third round pick for the Broncos this weekend there was another guy I had in mind, but I'm really not upset with this pick for the Broncos. It was a position that needed some depth in particular on that defensive line. Yes. Uh, I do love – I love the pick because our line – I think our linebacking core is probably the best that we do have in the on the whole team, to be honest. Um, our inside linebacker, Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson – with Josie Jules solid. But then if you look at the line, you have Jarrell Casey, Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris, Kyle Peck is a backup to Marcus Walker. And so I think that he's going to be able to slide in right there and be able to compete for some time. Don't forget about Draymond Jones. Oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, he's, he's listed as a third, I think, right now. He's, he's a solid guy. But – you were talking about uh, that Colorado linebacker, correct? Yes. 
I just don't know who he'd be able to start over or get minutes. Todd from. Davis. Really? I don't, I don't know if he would start right away over him, but that's where I see him sliding into, if not this season and next season. I, I, I don't think it'd be this season, but you're talking about, you know, a guy who actually cover tight ends and has the speed to do so. That's a good point. That's a good point. But, but we ended up after that round going yes. to that tight end from Missouri, which is Drew Locke's favorite target. Oh, that that pick confused me, man. Um, just because, like, we already have one tight end in Noah Fant, who's the athletic tight end, who's the speed tight end, who can't really block. And then we go and get another one who's, you know, not great at route running. Uh, I think that just adds another element to the Broncos game. I think if you look at Baltimore, they always run with the three tight end set. So I think for us to just have that aspect of having two guys that can beat you with blazing speed, mm-hmm. I think that helps, that helps Drew Locke out a lot, and that helps time of possession out a lot too. So, I, I like that pick. I thought. Well, big- after after the Broncos did not get um, Taylor out of Colorado, my eye moved to Troy Die out of Oregon, and that was who I was kind of hoping the Broncos might go for. I I, I kept going back and kept trying to hammer the the coverage linebacker position. Obviously, when you're talking about this part of the draft, you're talking about guys who are not necessarily day one starters, but projects who could step into that role and I thought Troy Dye could have been that out of Oregon instead of getting another I mean another Noah Fant uh, an unpolished Noah Fant kind of there in uh, in O Albert O obviously there's that chemistry with Locke which is nice but now we have if you're flipping it to the positive side all this speed we're having on offense. You're talking about, you know, Philip Lindsay ran a sub four forty. Um, Portland Sun ran like a four four five or something like that. You have CD Lamb who ran a four four five. You have Noah Fant ran a four five, and now you add Albert O ran a four four nine. So much speed on this offense. Oh no, you meant Jerry. I got you. Yeah, find, find a way to utilize it. Very true. What did you think about uh, if we move on to Justin Strand and we'll just start with him, Wake Forest linebacker. What do you think? I thought that that was a solid pick to just get some more competition in the linebacker rooms. The linebacker you want? I don't necessarily know if he's a starter. He's. I liked him. Yeah? Well, for where we drafted him, I liked him. Uh, he's a little slower than what I wanted, but he's he was finally that coverage-type linebacker that we get. Uh, he did not run as fast. Um, his combine numbers were not as athletic as what his tape is. If you watch some of the tape from him, he looks a lot more explosive in pads and a lot quicker and a lot have a lot better coverage skills in pads than what he demonstrated when it came to the combine. Um, he's one of those guys I was reading up on him and I think it was him who had um, forget what it was, but he had one or two little durability issues that kind of dropped him. And otherwise he could have been like a, 
you know, second day type of prospect, round two, round three, maybe type of prospect here. And he drops to the Broncos lap there in the, um, in the fifth round. Yeah. That's a so big I pick. liked it. Yeah. yeah What'd you say? The fifth round pick 178 was where uh, Justin Snarr went. Uh, round six, 181, man. We grabbed inside inside office alignment, Natane Muti. I, this, I think he'd buddy, uh, Fresno State, what do you guys think about that one? I figured he'd love that just because it's a guard. And mm-hmm. it's really just another lineman. That's <laughs> anything where we could just get prospects in the lineman depth chart. Yeah. Right, right. And now we're getting to six and seven, and it's kind of just, just anybody to throw some fat on the bone. Yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, Tyree Cleveland, wide receivers. Uh, and, and this guy's to, to touch on Moody for a second. Though, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, this guy, he he even more so than the linebacker prospects. Trenad, um, this dude comes in six three. This is a guy who had a lot of big nagging injury concerns. Yeah, and that's. Really, the only reason he was there in the third. This guy was a bona fide, like second round time. Huge boom bust potential there. But when you're talking about the the bust risk, they're very minimal. So I'm, I yeah. love the pick there, Moody. I I loved it just because just of the simple fact his position. And when you look at the Broncos, and you look at position of need it's i still i think that that's the biggest concern after those wide receiver picks was the the offensive line so i think that he's going to help out a lot he might he might shock if he shock some people because he's definitely going to make the 53 man roster i think yeah oh 100 percent would make the 53 um i've heard some talk that maybe he's he gets a redshirt year and he spends this season on IR just to not chew up a roster spot. Uh, kind of go the route, if you will, of like the Nuggets that they did with MPJ and uh, Bobo. Yeah. Kind of make sure he gets everything right physically and then come back in earnest the next season and really go at it. Heck yeah. Uh. These seventh round picks. So, we got that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we got so round seven at two fifty two. We grabbed Tyree Cleveland out of Florida, and then two fifty four, edge rusher Derek Tuska out of North Carolina, North Dakota State. What y'all think? La just said that uh, North Dakota State. He he's a hard worker. So I mean, he he has a work ethic. He could get to the quarterback. A multiple-time national champion. Yeah, so that that does help. Oh yeah, that's huge. I would take him. Uh, it's a big pick, and then Tyree Cleveland. He's a bit. He's a bigger body. I want to say. Yeah, like six-two. He ran a four-four-six um, forty at six-two. So that's not bad. That's not bad. That's no big body. I don't know that. I don't know if he's going to make this roster. He might be a uh, practice squad type of dude. Yeah. But um, Tuzak, he could make the roster paint on what he does just because 
having depth and a little more rotation at that outside rush is something the Broncos have needed. Let me ask you all this. What, what are you thinking if you're a wide receiver on the Denver Broncos right now? If you're a Broncos wide receiver, what are you thinking? Uh, go get faster. Yeah. Well, yeah. like, like honestly, like somebody like Deshaun Hamilton, who, uh, I mean, is a smaller receiver and not all that fa- – like, he's not a burner by any means. Yeah. His spot on this roster could be in jeopardy. I, I don't think necessarily this year. Daryl, for sure. Because the Broncos don't have a ton of depth. But I don't know. Because you're, you're looking at the guys who were there, Cortland Sun, Deshaun Hamilton. You got Winfrey, the dude uh, who came out of Colorado. Those, those four guys – Maybe are battling that. I mean, Corn Sun's definitely safe. And then you bring in a couple of speed dudes, or one real speed dude, and another guy who's fast and obviously going to be starting day one in Jerry Judy. You got I mean, me scared a little. Yeah, if, if you're a receiver, you got to be nervous. You got to be looking uh, looking behind your back. You just, I mean, it's a business, man. How are you paying your bills, man? And these guys came in and they're taking spots immediately. So, like you said, Tim Patrick. Deshaun Hamilton, I don't know what they need to do, but they got to do something to get better and get better in a hurry. Do you think um, Hamler starts in the slot day one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four two seven speed. Yeah. So let's let's touch on draft grades right quick. What are you, what are you giving the Broncos overall draft grades? I've got to give them a straight uh I'm gonna go ahead and go with a B. Gotta go ahead and go to I'm gonna go with a B plus. I, I like the moves. I like the moves they made. I think there's some swagger on the team right now. I'm going to go with a B plus. I'm going to go with the A. I like, I like the first two picks. I like the first five picks they made, to be honest. Okay. I think if you guys could, if you say KJ Handler's a reach, I'll take a 427 guy and reach anytime. Mike? Uh, I'd probably give it A, A minus, and the reason I'm not giving it like a solid A or A plus is just because there was a couple reaches there, and then there was the tight end pick that is a bit of a bit of a question mark for me there, because um, you look at the tight end room. We just last year spent a bunch of money on um, on um, got Jake Butt too, Hireman. Uh, we just signed Vanette this year, and then you have Jake right. Butt you mentioned, That's and right. we have Noah Fant coming back in his second year. We spent a first-round pick on last year. So are we going to be carrying four tight ends this year? I mean, we don't have the fullback position to worry about necessarily now that Jano's out, but that pick kind of question is a question mark to me, so that's why I don't give it a straight, like, A, A+. Plus. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for us today, man. Uh, a big weekend we just had. The Broncos couldn't in the draft. Uh, we, we talked about – what did we cover, man? We covered all the funny parts from the draft. We covered Jerry Judy. We got ourselves a Lloyd Cushenberry starting for us. It's me and Mike. It's the EMP show. Keyshawn, appreciate you, man. Thanks. Uh, I'll probably call you back sometime later on this weekend. Uh, this week, I should say. Hopefully, uh, we can get Eddie in here tomorrow, get back to normal. Uh, for the EMP show, this is Happy Monday. Bye-bye.